This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. On this last day with you all, one where we bless and send each other off on a journey that God has laid out, I can't help but remember the day when I was welcomed in your church services. It began with an unexpected circumstance. I had not led a worship service with you all yet. I had not gotten to know any of you except for those who were on the ASP team. I was with the prior week. Reverend Joyce was on holiday. Reverend Sarah and Megan's flight were canceled the day prior. And then the Sunday text was from Psalms, and I had a few hours that night to prepare. I reminded myself, just proclaim the good news. You'll be fine. You have been called to be with these saints. And that Sunday went as smoothly as it could have. And something that stuck with me that day was how I felt so welcomed and embraced by you all in the midst of unexpected circumstances, an unexpected Sunday. And this day solidified in my heart the beginning of my call with you all, that together we will worship and praise our Lord, regardless of and in the presence of unexpected circumstances. And what unexpected circumstances we did face together in the last two and a half years. I will forever be thankful for the privilege and honor you have given me to be one of your pastors, to preach the good news from your pulpit, and to be co-laborers in the kingdom work we have done together. So on the eve of this MLK Day, I was reminded of these words from his last speech, he gave on the eve of his death. He said, Who is it that is supposed to articulate the longings and aspirations of the people more than a preacher? Somehow the preacher must be an Amos and say, Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Somehow the preacher must say with Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to deal with the problems of the poor. I pray it may be so today, concluding as I began with the psalm text. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart may be holy and pleasing in the sight of our Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, we heard the verses of Psalms 36, verses 5 through 10. It's a psalm that proclaims how God sustains the faithful at God's abundant feast, how God's steadfast love endures forever. Yet this psalm differs from others as it develops a proclamation of trust, unusual to how other psalms proclaim God's trustworthiness and faithfulness. Typically, our psalms will speak of the two ways, the righteous and the wicked, and what awaits each of them. 
It's a clear line, a binary. As the end of Psalms 1 reads, For the Lord watches over the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. That we are to trust in Adonai, who will make these words come true. And yes, psalms like these are beautiful psalms to read, to sing, and proclaim, for yes, Adonai is faithful. Yet we know that the world does not function in this clear binary. As Walter J. Harrelson puts it, wisdom teachers who insisted that evildoers were marked for divine judgment and the righteous for sure divine rewards could not convince those who pondered the world's pain and suffering and who looked deeply within their own souls. It is often just those poets and prophets who are drawn to recognize just how close they are to God's intimate love and care, that knowing and sharing earth's pain may be a precondition for knowing and feeling the debt of God's love. It's for this reason that this morning's psalmist offers a contrasting proclamation of trust in God's steadfast love. It's a gift of the theological diversity we find in our scriptures. Because a simple reading shows how the psalmist speaks differently of the wicked, with a more nuanced understanding that takes into consideration the realities of evil. The psalmist doesn't use a clear binary where there are simply evil people and good people. Instead, we see how people's hearts have been captive corrupted to where they don't know anything else for transgression speaks to the wicked deep in their hearts. In transgression, evil, crime, all translations I have found, there's a personified figure that corrupts their eyes, corrupts their eyes from experiencing the joy that comes from Adonai's mercy and grace. And this simple reading gives a more complex perspective of the wicked and what leads them to act unjustly. It doesn't complain about the evil deeds of the wicked, as other psalms may write, but instead it gives a more deep and vivid look at their hearts and its captivation. A more complex reading maybe begins with a question. How can this faithful psalmist speak of the inner workings of the heart of the wicked if the psalmist had not experienced this for themselves? Furthermore, while ancient versions maintain the translation that we have, that transgression speaks to the wicked deep in their hearts, in his heart, the Hebrew, and specifically the Masoretic text, reads, Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in my heart. If the psalmist can speak of the realities to the realities of evil and its grip that it can have on one's own heart, this psalmist's declaration of God's faithfulness is contrasted even more. Because 
regardless of which of these two readings you resonate with more. We see how the psalmist develops its proclamation of trust, not absent of the nuanced realities of evil, but through knowing and sharing earth's pain. The psalmist speaks first of the true and felt nature of the abyss of despair before turning to the liberating good news of Adonai's faithfulness. Are y'all with me, Southland Presbyterian Church? Our word this morning is for those who know and share in earth's pain. As a youth may say, the psalmist has seen some things, knows some things. For the psalmist declares, Adonai's steadfast love goes to the highest of heights, to the heavens. That God's justice is like the mighty mountains. And hear this, God's judgment is like the great deep, the great abyss. The abyss of despair that seems like a great pit with no end. Yes, indeed, that one. God's presence even is there. That God saves humans and animals alike. That God's steadfast love is precious. That all people can find refuge there in the shadow of God's wings. That this grace and mercy, this love and faithfulness, the presence of God's justice becomes concrete, sensual pleasure. For they feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your delights. That the feast can sustain and give life as it ends with verse 9. For you, for with you, with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. And it reminds me of Paul. If God is for us, who can be against us? Truly, it's a psalm of how God sustains the faithful, which gives a reason to be sustained by hope that emerges from the abyss of despair. Yet sometimes I go back to the question of how. How can I step into the shoes of the psalmist, proclaim the good news like the psalmist, Proclaim it with a true understanding of knowing and sharing in earth's pain. I go back to verse 1. I think the alternative of having my heart and my eyes corrupted, which guides my steps that are set on a way that is not good, that I could cast my heart and my eyes on the Lord, that I could walk up the mighty mountain, where God's justice flows over and transverse the deepest valleys and abyss, knowing that God is with me. This, I think, would not only be a repentance, a return to God, but it's a telos, it's a goal of our life's journey. That nothing else would matter if our eyes are set on that mountaintop that is filled with God's justice, filled with God's glory, 
mercy, faithfulness, and love. I'm going to mention Dr. King again because I have asked myself before, how could this pastor and organizer call for justice without growing weary? I share some words from his last speech called, I've been to the mountaintop. He had been reflecting on the many occasions for his fight for justice, one that led to him being stabbed to the point where the doctor told him if he had sneezed, he would have died. How did he keep going forward even after being afflicted? And hear the end of his speech. And then I got to Memphis and some began to say the threats or talk about the threats that were out. What would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I have looked over, and I have seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know that tonight, that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man, because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Church, when I look back together at our time, not only have we experienced unexpected circumstances, we have had to wrestle and know and share in earth's pain. But through God's grace and love, I have witnessed how we step into the shoes of the psalmist, how we walk about and up the mountain of the Lord. Sure, there were times I tripped, you tripped, they tripped, we tripped, but our eyes and heart were continually reoriented upon our Lord. And I had the honor to witness God's moving in his body, the privilege to witness glimpses of God's mountaintop through the work of your hands that brought the kingdom come to kingdom today. We walked together, and I witnessed a church faithfully responding to a global pandemic, proclaiming that, makes, that what makes us church is not a building or a steeple. It is a people. We walked together. And I witnessed the church respond to racial injustice, committing itself to anti-racism work and dismantling white supremacy. We walked together, and I witnessed our youth marching in the streets, declaring Black Lives Matter, calling for justice and solidarity with those on the mountain, 
with those at the margins. We walked together up this mountain. And I witnessed a joy and a love that was like a feast that brought me life. As I gathered with children in Sunday school and Harry Potter reading life groups with adults in hip-hop and faith life groups and adult formation classes with youth and youth advisors and youth group and confirmation, we walked together. And I witnessed this courage arise, a conversation beginning, an acceptance, love, and care for our LGBTQIA plus siblings and a commitment to allyship. I could go on, but let me make this clear. Indeed, it felt, it truly felt like we walked together. As I witnessed how this pastoral team how this church staff, the session, the elders, deacons, committees, and all the volunteers, because gosh, literally all of you are involved in something, united in Christ, shared God's love and care for the body of Christ here and now. I have witnessed this. I have caught glimpses of the mountaintop. I have felt the truth in my heart that God is faithful, that God sustains, not in the absence, not in the absence of the realities of our world, but in y'all's witness of knowing and sharing earth's pain. Can I get an amen? Friends, I'm thankful to our God who allowed me to be a part of your journey, of your witness who took me in with love and care, who called me to this ordered ministry. Your presence and your resiliency when ministry got real and unexpected, unpredictable last two and a half years not only gave me life, but is marked on my heart as a reminder of why I pray I can do ministry until my life's end. I love you all deeply, and I will miss you all the time. And I'm confident of this, that even though this may be the last day I am with you all on your ongoing journey, do not forget, we have the same destination found in the crucified Christ and our God who's making all things new. So allow me to leave you with this. Continue stepping into the shoes of the psalmist. Turn your eyes to Adonai. Witness the mountaintop filled with God's justice. Witness the abyss where God's presence fills and be sustained by the feast that God prepares. May it be so. In the name of Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.